0: DIY, do-it-yourself. We're starting off 2017. We're building a relationship with God. And listen, sometimes we need to make it so too difficult that Josh and I were like, what could we do to start the year off? We're like, let's do a DIY, do-it-yourself, teach people some basic stuff. So today is do-it-yourself prayer and fasting, okay? And do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself projects are freaky, aren't they? I remember about a decade or so ago, I had a really generous guy at the church plant that I started back in my 20s, and he bought our family one of those really nice uh, outdoor swing set things. You know what I mean? Where it's like it's all wood, and you got the roof and like a climbing wall on it and a slide. And I I picked it out, and it got delivered to our house. And I figured there's some assembly required. But then it showed up in my driveway as just a huge pile of lumber. All right. I mean, there are four by fours and four by eights and just a lot of fours and eights and twos involved. And he had to have one of those saws, you know, the zzzz, zzzz, one of those thingies on a, I think it's called the table saw maybe. And there were angle cuts that had to be done. And I am not a do it yourself guy. And there was just half a forest of lumber in my driveway. Right. And then a book, That ensured if I followed all 8,000 steps that my children would have a safe and fun thing in the backyard. And so what could have took maybe a, a handy person, maybe a weekend, took me like two full weeks with help. And there were moments where I was building this thing in my garage and, and it was coming together. And, and it may be one of the more manly things I've ever done as I was constructing this because that was like, and it still is actually in, it still stands today. But we built most of it in the garage. I don't know if you guys know, but when a lot of wood is, is put together, it gets real heavy, right? And so we built most of the main play tower area in the garage and then it dawned on me, this has to get to the backyard, Right. So I almost had to like rent a crane to get that stupid thing over the fence. But I've done some do-it-yourself things, but you get freaked out, don't you? And I know for me is usually if it's something that I don't feel like I'm an expert at or or possibly there are people who are paid to be professionals doing this. It's an immediate outsourcing, right? Immediate outsource that. It's not do-it-yourself. We pay someone who gets paid to do that. Okay. Has anybody tried to fix anything with their plumbing before? Gotten in the plumbing before? Just be honest. Plumbing, right? Isn't it scary? You open up the, the, the cupboard, right? And there, below you lay, it's just like a, it's like, it's like a King's Island of, of just, it's like a, it's like a, what are they called? Roller coaster of pipes down there, okay? You got J traps and things that washers. And if you screw up your plumbing, guess what? You're ruining most of your house. There's floods everywhere, okay? Anybody ever try to mount a ceiling fan? Anyone? If there is anything in this earth that could cost you your Christianity, it is mounting a ceiling fan, because right? you're up on a ladder and you got the ceiling fan and your shoulder muscles are shaking and there's electricity involved. That's a no go. That's a no go. Right? Because I don't care if you got the thing off, you don't know what if there's some power that was between the breaker and this. And I know you're supposed to do white to white, black to black, and then there's always that copper thing that you screw to something, and you ground stuff. What is that about? Okay? And I've always been afraid that I was going to be up there when the shaking. I actually hung one in our room, and Julie and I, our bedroom has like a vaulted ceiling, so like I was up there. You know what I mean? Like when you're on the top of the ladder where it's like, this is not a step, right? (laughs) And you're like, whoa, maybe for lesser men, it's not a step, but... (laughs) I'll show you how to step, right? Like when you're doing the straddle of the ladder, and I've got this stupid thing, and you had to get it like where it would notch into like a thing, and there's three things that have to be notched in, and I promise you two of the three are notched in. That third one, I was, I was thinking the other day, if we really turn that fan on high, we die. It comes down. <laughs> it's like a helicopter landing in our bed It's what's going to happen. Do-it-yourself projects, they can be terrifying, and here is the crazy thing is that God has constructed our relationship with him as a do-it-yourself project. And if you thought plumbing and electricity were scary, Right. Think about like we're talking about the almighty God here, Darren. Right. I mean, talk about electricity. Dude made lightning. Okay, if I screw up this one, who knows? I mean, pillar of soul. I'm going to die. Something's going to go bad. And it freaks us out. And we think to ourselves, if there's anything in life that's too dangerous and could really screw things up that needs to be outsourced, that is not a do it yourself project. It is my connection to God. And in fact, there are paid professionals like you and Josh that we pay to be professional at keeping God at arm's length so we don't have to do it ourselves, right? And we don't make it easier for you oftentimes, professional guys like Josh and I, cause I don't know if maybe in an effort to be helpful, maybe in an effort to, to educate you, possibly because we're bored and want to look smart. I don't know, right? But we do sermons where we put in all the Latin and Greek and like Hebrew words we can. So when you get done and we get in and, preach, and you're like, ah, that's too much for me, right? It's like, I can't barely speak English, let alone Greek, right? Or have you ever been around somebody like talking about prayer today, like a really good out loud prayer? Right? Like you're at an outpost or something, and then it gets to her. it's her turn to pray, right? And she's like a professional outlord, you know, out, out loud prayer, right? Because your prayers are kind of like, God, it's uh, Bill again, uh, things and stuff, and Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and be with them, amen, right? You know what I mean? And then there's somebody in your group that they just pray, and it's like, oh, sweet Lord Jesus, we just, mm. And they, they have, even they have sound effects in their prayer, right? And I just want us to be honest. I had the first service do this. Just be honest. If you're a pretty solid outdoor, out loud prayer, just go ahead and put your hand up. You mean like, yeah, all right. It's, be proud. You're a good out loud prayer. It's good, right? You get asked to pray at Christmas, you know, and at Thanksgiving. It's like you're getting ready to pray. Like, uh, Stacy, would you pray again for the 18th millionth year? Right? Because you can get out of pretty. Here's the deal. If you're, and I'm a good out loud prayer. Okay? I'll be honest about it. I can, I can, I can dial up a pretty good out loud prayer. All right. I've been practicing for a few years. Okay but I'll be honest about it. I'm not a very good prayer. Like Josh and I were talking about this. We we preach sermons and you assume, well, I bet they're good at it. I'm terrible at prayer because it usually has to do with me being by myself quiet and praying. And my life is spent at about a million miles an hour and eventually sometimes I stop and ask God if he wants to catch up, right? But if you're a really good out loud prayer, and you've ever been at a small group or something, and as other people are praying, and they're, they're, you know they're struggling, and you've thought to yourself, when it gets to my turn, I'm going to kill this prayer, right? Listen, <laughs> stop it, all right? You're not helping, all right? You're not helping with your flowery, awesome, out loud prayers, okay? Let's, just, let's be chill with that, okay? But listen, here's the cool thing, and the terrifying thing. This relationship with God, it is a do-it-yourself project. And since the beginning of time, God created us to be in connection with Him. Adam and Eve, right? It was a very simple thing. They walked in this relationship. When they decided to to distrust God and, and, and sin came and separated us from God, the crazy thing about us as humans is we basically preferred to keep it that way. Like, God, why don't you stay over there and all stay over here? Like, for the Israelites, they didn't want a do it yourself project. They wanted Moses to handle it all. Moses, you go talk to God for us. We know, well, that's scary. He's up there on the mountain. And then we developed, they developed this, this whole religion that Jesus had to show up, right, and try to, try to kind of dis, distangle where, where all this stuff to, to separate people from God. And then we had priests and pastors and all these people that kind of created this hierarchy. Like, you know, they handle it. We, this is not a do-it-yourself project. But because of Jesus, the word of God says that every single one of us has everything we need to live and to serve God through our knowledge of Jesus Christ. That he has called us into this relationship where it can be a do-it-yourself project to grow in a personal connection with the living God. Here's the deal. We're going to talk about prayer and fasting today. Then we're going to talk about how to do it yourself, how to read the Bible simply, how to worship, serve. The series that we're starting the year off with, we hope it's, it's a time to make some very, very powerful realities for your connection to God. Very simple so that you can engage in them. Sound good? Jesus, be with us as we spend these next few minutes together in your word. Speak to us. Uh, help me to, to be to the point and focused, and um, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. How about this? If I can preach fast enough and we get five minutes at the end of this sermon, you guys can ask questions. So there's a number that's going to be up on the screen. It's 317-550-5070. Text that, that number, any question you have as I'm preaching, and I'll try to grab a few of them at the end of the service and answer the questions, okay? So be interactive. If you have a question about prayer fasting, something you don't understand, or I talk too fast, text it in. I'll try to get to a few of them, okay? But I have to, I've already told too many funny stories. I got to hurry up. So we're going to keep it moving, all right? Here we go. Prayer and fasting, D-I-Y. Here's what happens. A couple barriers for us to pray. First and foremost, one of the first barriers is this. We don't know how. We just don't know how to pray. We've been told things. We've seen professional prayers. We're just not sure how to do it. Another issue is this. We don't know why. Like, why should I pray? If you guys say God knows what I need before I ask it, then what am I even asking him for? Right? Why, Why do I even engage in it? So I don't know how. I don't know why. And the other thing is this. The thing is, I don't know what to do with God. Like, I'm scared of him. Like, I don't know if I start praying, like, what's he going to say to me? Or what am I supposed to say to him? And, and he's powerful, and he's holy, and he's God. And I just, man, I just don't know. So I don't know what to say. I don't know why to say it. I don't, I don't know about God. And so these are barriers that keep us from actually engaging in prayer. Jesus knew this, and so I love it that he made things really, really simple. In his Sermon on the Mount, when he was basically giving the instructions, the baseline understanding of what it means to follow him and live in his kingdom, he taught on prayer in Matthew, and it goes like this. Jesus says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, listen to this, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here's the deal. Prayer is communicating. Okay, really simple. Prayer is communicating. God's design and desire is for us to engage in a communicative relationship where we're growing in actual communion with him. Dallas Willard says it like this. So our union with God, his presence with us, in which our aloneness is banished in the meaning and full purpose of human existence is realized, consists chiefly in a conversational relationship with God, while we are each consistently and deeply engaged as his friend and co-laborers in the affairs of the kingdom of the heavens. Companionship is God's design for us, and conversation is God's dialogue with us. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Now, communication or prayer is talking and listening, right? That's how you communicate with someone. You talk and you listen. It's a two-way street. So here, as Jesus breaks it down very simply, right? are six do-it-yourself steps to building an effective prayer life. Take notes on this if you want. This is like you're opening the instruction manual. okay? And here it is. Here are the six basic steps. How do I pray? Here we go. Step one, get alone. That's mind-blowing, isn't it? But we don't like to do it very often, especially as extroverts. So step one, get alone, Jesus says, right? but when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray. So step one is get alone. Step two, Talk to God, your father. Jesus says, get alone, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. So when you're talking, you're talking to God, your heavenly father, not some weird, distant, unconcerned cosmic source. You're by yourself talking to God, your heavenly father, that loves you and is present with you. Step three, believe God is listening. Right? He says, talk to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. This seems simple, but I think it's a step many of us struggle with, that I actually believe that God is listening. I think if we believe that, our prayers would sound a little different, right? Because sometimes it's kind of like, God, um, you know, stuff, help, I guess, sort of. I'm not sure if you're there. I mean, if you have time, if you don't have time, I understand you're kind of running the world, but if you could notch out some time to maybe hear me, like... That's not a very faith-filled prayer. But when I get alone and I begin talking to God and I believe, listen, the creator of the universe is actually hearing the words I'm saying. It's a powerful reality. Next thing is this. Keep it simple, okay? Jesus is saying, listen, and when you pray, don't keep babbling like the pagans for they think they'll be heard because there are many words. Keep it simple, no, like crazy, like prayer words that we use all the time. You ever been around somebody who has a, a thing they say to God and when they pray, they say it over and over and over again and you're not sure what's happening? Okay. I find that the phrase Father God is a favorite, super repetitive prayer thing okay i've been a lot around a lot of father god prayers you've ever been around a father god prayer right They're, this is what their prayer sounds like father god we thank you father god for being here father god just what you do today here on sunday morning at father god at mercy road father god and father god we just pray that as you are father god that you would just build the to work today father god and i'm thinking to myself god has to be going like what is happening like i heard you the sixth time right I mean, think about it in just everyday things. If you were referring, if you're talking to me, right, and to use, like, my first and last name multiple times in the conversation, how awkward that would be. You know what I mean? Darren John, it's good to be here with you, Darren John. Thank you for that coffee, Darren John. As you're, you know, as you're preaching today, Darren John, I just pray and ask, Darren John, that you would just keep it under 32 minutes, Darren John, right? I mean, it makes no sense, and our communication would be totally wacky. I'd be like, I would just love to get to the point, and you stop saying my first and last name constantly, Okay. So if you think you've got to come up with a repetitive churchy sounding thing, when you're talking to God, your father, you don't. And if you're currently doing it, stop and ask yourself, why am I mindlessly repeating a phrase over and over and over again to God? And then when you discover it, stop it. Okay. And just keep it simple. Talking to your father. Step five is this. Be honest. Jesus says, don't keep all these words, right? For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Sometimes guys, we're not honest in our prayers. What I love is I love getting, if you, if you want to, to, to get mentored in prayer, go read the Psalms. It's a book of the Bible written by David. He was an amazing man of prayer. And if you're looking for somebody who was just brutally honest with God in their prayers, it's David. His doubts, his fears, his questions, his joys, all of it is wrapped up. So be honest with God. Well, wait, wait, if I'm honest with God, maybe he's going to be mad at me because I'm really mad at him right now. I think what's happening in my family is unfair, and I'm really mad about this, and I'm hurt about this, and I don't want to forgive this person, and I just feel so bitter about what's happening. That's exactly what God wants to hear from you. One of my mentors says it over and over again, that God is so real that he wants to meet you where you're really at. So get alone, talk to your father, keep it simple, and be honest. Last thought is this, be quiet and listen. This is a difficult one for us, at least for me. To pray, a lot of times we pray, 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 Just Jesus' name, amen, boom, we're gone. And we don't take the time in solitude to sit in silence. If you have an extroverted personality and you like to speak a lot and talk and you're energetic like me, this is a real struggle to be alone. A couple weeks ago, uh, all of us on, on Radio Theology went, and we went to this uh, 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 sensory deprivation float tank. <laughs> it was crazy. It was like an alien pod of water, and you just float in it for 90 minutes, right? And I got in this thing, and you put these earplugs in, and it's pitch black, and you can't see or hear anything, and you're floating in like 900 pounds of Epsom salt, and it's, it's actually awesome, right? But for the first five minutes, I was on full freakout mode because I was like, no, wait a second. I just got in an alien pod full of water and I'm not going to talk or even do anything for 90 minutes, right? And my inability to just stop and be quiet and listen to God is so underdeveloped that it freaked me out. But I can tell you that 90 minutes later, after being by myself and quiet and just talking to God and listening and floating in 900 pounds of salt, uh, It was one of the most relaxing and focusing things I've ever done. And I'm thinking about doing it like monthly as like a prayer exercise. We need to learn to be quiet and listen to God because he wants to speak and guide and direct us in our life. And if it's always us talking, the communication isn't going to be going very well. Okay, here's this. Next thought is this. Effective prayer is consistent and specific. Back in 2002, this is a long time ago, so I'm sure it's probably still true or maybe worse. Uh, The Barner Group did a study on prayer. And it said that most people who pray do so at least once a day, good, but the total amount of time spent in prayer per day is less than five minutes. Most commonly, it's a grace uttered before a meal and then a request for stuff that we want for ourselves. And I find that to be mostly true about prayer. But for us to grow in this do-it-yourself prayer life, it needs to be something we consistently do and something that we specifically do sometimes when I hear people pray and sometimes when I hear myself pray, I'm not sure exactly what I'm asking God to do. And so I'm not even sure God would know what to do. And if those two things are unclear, it would be virtually impossible to know if God actually answers the prayer. One of the most common prayers I hear is pray when we're praying for somebody is this, God, we just pray for, for Bill, ask that you would bless him. Right? Like, How would you know if God actually blessed Bill, right? If Bill lives in America and has food and water, right, and like indoor plumbing, let's be honest. Globally, he's pretty blessed, right? So at what point is God saying, where where do I know that I'm answering that prayer? Let's, Let's risk being specific in our prayers to God. God, I'm asking you to work in Bill's life, and God, what I'd like you to do is, and what can happen in the times when we're actually slowing down long enough to specifically ask our Father, the King of the universe, to work in someone's life as we begin to get deeper into connection, not only to him, but into the other person as well. We might pray, God, I just pray that you would reveal a truth about your character through a circumstance or through the Bible or through a song in the next week, God, I ask that you would reveal something about yourself to Bill. And then when you meet Bill next week, you could say, I wonder if this prayer thing's working. Hey, Bill, did anything happen in the past seven days that you thought maybe God was like speaking to you through the Bible or through a song or something? And then Bill goes, You know what? I turned on the radio and this happened and tells you a story. And you go, Prayer works, right? We got to be specific, but we also <clears throat> need to be consistent. And that it's something we do more than just five minutes a day flippantly through our life. Jesus gives us a great framework for this. We're going to give a six-part template, right? In huddles, we teach this through a shape called the hexagon because it has six sides and it helps you understand it, okay? We borrow it from 3DM, from Mike Breen. He taught us this stuff. It's, it's, it's great in the way he taught people to pray, but it basically is just taking the Lord's Prayer that we had there in, my, in Matthew chapter 6 and seeing what was Jesus saying to do. <clears throat> the Lord's Prayer, how many of you guys know the Lord's Prayer have heard it in your life, right? Most times we say it at funerals or something, or it may be just wrote, we memorize it, and we think, oh, it's that ritual thing that Jesus told us. That's the Lord's Prayer. But what Jesus wasn't giving us, the thing of, here, this is what you, just pray like this every single time. Within the Lord's Prayer, what Jesus was giving us was a template for this do-it-yourself project of prayer in which we could filter our concerns and thoughts through. Here's how it breaks out in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're talking about the Father's Character. Character. So when you pray, that could be a great place to start in talking about God's character. Now, in this, right, we're actually talking to our father, right, who is the king of the universe. That's the next thing we talk about, right? Our, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In this situation, I think posture matters, okay? It's not a make it or break it, but I'm trying to teach my, my sons at night, right? And I need to get better at this. Right? We, have, we, we read the Word or do like a, a children's Bible time. We pray every night before we go to bed. And, and I'm trying to get better at helping them learn posture, because sometimes, like, if you're just laying in bed staring, and it's like, you're talking to the creator of the universe, God is like, God, yeah, thanks for today, and things of this nature, right? And all of a sudden, you're asleep. What I have found, I don't always do it, because I said I'm not that great of a prayer, right? But I've actually found that, like, kneeling by my bed, or sitting in a chair with my feet on the ground, and just kind of looking to heaven or just kind of opening myself up to prayer is a time where I'm actually able to focus and have my mind and my body match the same kind of posture. Something to think about as you're speaking, right, to God and who his character is and what's going on in his kingdom. The next one, give us today our daily bread. Here we're talking about provision. And I love this, that it says, give us today our daily bread. This came to me the other day as I was praying, right? Is that when we're asking God to meet physical or financial, whatever needs in our life, I think oftentimes we feel like we're negotiating with God to give us something that's not ours or give us something that's someone else's. What I love about this is it hit me as I was praying is that I'm saying, God, give me today what you have already set apart for me. You are my heavenly father, the king of the universe, and we're in a covenant relationship, and you have promised to protect and provide for me and my family, so I'm asking today that you would give me that which is mine because of who I am in you. That can change my perspective if I have financial woes in my life, that there is a provision that God has for me. Next, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. We're talking about God's forgiveness and our forgiveness of others. We spend time in prayer. There's a a, a template there, right, where we could spend some time looking at the relational health of our life. The next thing we pray about, and lead us not into temptation. So what are we asking God for there? Asking God for guidance. God, guide me in my life. Spend some time praying about that for others and for ourselves. The last one is this, but deliver us from the evil one. We're asking for God's protection in our life. There's a template that you can use as a framework to pray through, okay? First how do I pray? I'm going to get alone. I'm going to talk to God. I might even write it down so I don't forget it. And where should I start? Well, maybe we go through and we say, this is what Jesus how he taught us. I'm going to start and I'm going to pray a little bit about God's character. I'm going to talk about his kingdom and, and see what he has going on there. And then the provision I need for my life and for others. And then I'm going to look at forgiveness and guidance and protection. Start there. How long should I pray? I don't know. Give it a shot. It's not a right or wrong answer. How long should that take me? I don't know. Depends on how mouthy you are, right? I don't know. Have the time. So that's great, but I don't have time to pray. Well, that's where our next thought of fasting comes in. But let me just ask really quick. Let's just be honest, right? We're all family here, okay? It's just you and me and God who's watching you, so don't lie. But how many of you in the past three months have found time to binge watch one of your favorite shows on Netflix or just your DVR? Binge watchers, great. Yeah. How many of you guys have found a way to eat at least three times every day for the past week? Okay. How many of you use Instagram, Facebook, and or Snapchat? Yes. How many of you actually have gone on your phone and taken a look at your usage of any of those apps over the past couple of months? Anybody go check your usage? Yeah, and after you did that, you thought, I need to see a counselor, right? Because you realize that I'm wasting weeks of my life going, oh, they're eating steak. That's neat. Yeah. (laughs) Goodness gracious. We have found time, guys, in our life to do everything that we really want to do. Okay? Here's where fasting comes in. Jesus talks about fasting. Fasting is basically this. Fasting is self-denial for the purpose of spiritual, mental, or emotional growth. It's just taking something and denying yourself of it so you can focus that time on something that God has for you, okay? So Jesus talks about fasting. He says this, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face. Basically, means keep it a secret. Don't make it a big deal what you're doing, right? So that you will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Five easy steps, do-it-yourself steps to fasting so you can find time to pray or make time to pray in your life. Step one is this, pick something to fast from. It's as simple. It could be anything that you do in your life. I'm gonna fast from Instagram, great. I'm gonna fast from food for a day, great. Just pick something to deny yourself and replace that time with time with God. So you pick something to fast from, you pick a time frame for your fast. So it's specific. I'm gonna not look at Facebook at from 12 to 1, on Wednesday. Really simple. Anything you want. Pick a time, then keep it a secret. Don't tell anybody about it. kind of defeats the purpose. So don't pick Wednesday at lunch, not be on Instagram or Facebook, and then tweet out before that, please pray for me between one and one, because now I'm doing this. No. Okay. Keep it a secret. Okay. Step four, replace the fasting activity with spending time with God. Well, how do I do that? Well, really anything. You could pray. Could I go for a walk and pray? Yes. Could you listen to worship music? Yes. Could I read my Bible? Uh-huh. Could I just stop and meditate for a while? Yes, you could. Okay? This is anything you want to do that would focus your time, attention, or emotions on God during the time you were going to do the other thing. Step five, this is a really difficult one, break the fast. That means go back and do the thing that you were doing before. Okay? Try this in the next week or two. If you've never done fasting before, you're like, isn't that something that like monks do? Yes. It's also something that Jesus assumed that his disciples would do so they could take some time to remind their mind and their body that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I've, done two, I've been fasting for years in my life, and two times I did an extended fast, 40 days. And in those 40 days, I've never been able to sense the difference between my spirit and my flesh like I did during those times. When I was basically telling my body, hey, urges and and, and desires and appetites, you're not actually in charge of me, but my spirit is. So pick something to fast from and jump into it. Let's get to some texting. we got a few minutes left. All right. This first one is really easy. What was the definition of fasting again? It was fasting is self-denial for the purpose of spiritual, mental, and emotional growth. All right, Uh, let's see here. When I pray, I often find my mind wandering to other stuff. Frustrating. Any suggestions? Yes. Write down what's distracting you. I read this in a book one time. Oftentimes, we would say, we would pray something like this. God, help me to be more focused in prayer. And then we find ourselves, our mind becoming more and more distracted. Could it be that what God's doing is he knows because he loves you, You're distracted by these four things, and so you can't pay attention to what I'm saying. So I'm going to bring them to your mind, think about them for a minute, and write them down so you don't forget to think about them. And then after you've written down everything that's distracting you, you're either A, going to have a more clear mind to pray, or you may realize, oh my goodness, this is actually what God is trying to say to me. Okay? So write down the stuff. Uh, Let's see here. Can prayer be too selfish or self-centered? Yes, it can. Um, But That's not something to feel shameful or guilty about. But if you, like maybe you could start journaling your prayers and then you'd see what you pray. And then you go back for a week and you would go, I think I only pray for myself. Which just so you don't feel bad about yourself, so does everyone else. Um, what I'm realizing is, as, like I said, we, we pray with the boys every night, and what I'm beginning to see is the nights that I say, okay, now it's your turn to pray, is when my boys pray only for themselves, I realize that what I'm modeling for them is a selfishly focused prayer life. So I've started to think to myself as I'm praying, like, if I'm praying and all I'm praying for is give us good health and good stuff and good dreams and help us to play good in our sports teams and be a good example. Like, what I'm teaching them is that prayer is just about you talking to God about you. Uh, and so what I've tried to do is start to say, okay, let's just think about how can we pray for other people and begin to model that for the boys. So yes, it can absolutely be too selfish or self-centered. Maybe, here's an experiment. Try this week not praying for yourself. And at the end of it, see, see what happens. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Seriously, what is it that happens spiritually between me and God when I fast? Why do I, why do I feel closer to God when I fast? Like I said there quickly before, is I really believe that you have a spirit in a, in, in a body, right? And that your spirit feeds itself off of time in God's spirit. But most of the time, we are completely dictated by what our flesh and body tell us. Anybody here struggle with getting hangry, right? My wife and I are, are it's, it's an epidemic of hanger in our, in our family. Hangry is what happens when you get angry when you begin to get hungry. Uh, I will say my wife struggles much more aggressively with this than I do. Um, there's times when we're trying to get somewhere and I'm like, boys, don't speak. Don't speak or look at your mother until we make it to somewhere to eat. Someone's head's coming off, all right? I love you, honey. You're an angel sent from God. Uh, But I I think what happens is when we take time too fast and we deny ourselves, right, is our spirit begins to get in tune with what God's spirit is doing. And I think all of us Western American Christians could use a ton of more spiritual stuff in our life. Like, it makes no sense to me that, like, Eastern religions get the, all the press, like, oh, you know, you get you go Zen, meditate, and it's really deep, man. And then as Christians, we're like, oh, uh, I guess I pray, right? No, no, like, we have the living, the one true living God that his spirit wants to commune with us. Like, that, that's what begins to happen in those times. That's good. Okay, I'm three minutes over. Let me ask, ask one more question. Um, huh? this wasn't a joke. Sorry, I shouldn't have laughed. Uh, It's fasting from work obligations fasting. (laughs) It's probably a good way to get fired. Uh, If you'd like to fast from a job, that might be something to think about. Um, You know, I was going to get that report done, but I'm fasting from expense reports in January. Well, we're going to fast from giving you a paycheck. (laughs) Okay. Okay. this question came in last service too, and this will be the last one, and we'll go. When I stop listening, when I stop listening during prayer, how do I, or, oh, start, I think what they're saying. How do I know it's God speaking and not just my own mind and babbling? Okay, great question. Here's the deal. God's voice, I would say 99% of the time, God's voice, when he speaks to you, it's going to be your voice speaking to you. So a lot of times we pray and we're waiting to hear like, Bill, don't take the job, right? (laughs) If that happens to you, I would love to hear the story, right? (laughs) But in all of my life, when God speaks to me, it's the same voice that's always speaking to me in my head. It's my voice. But here's some of the things that can guide us in this. is God will never speak to you and say something contrary to what he's already said. Okay? So in God's word, we know what God has said. So, so often is let's say you're praying about something and you've been in God's word and you have it even memorizing and it's in your mind. And so, you know what God has said. Oftentimes, when you ask him to speak to you, he will bring to your mind through your voice in your brain, a scripture that you have read that actually applies to that. Okay. God's never going to speak to you and say, cheat on your wife. Okay? If you come to you and say, I've been praying about it, and the Holy Spirit really spoke clearly, it was like, cheat on my wife. No, the Holy Spirit's never going to say, cheat on your wife, because multiple times in the Bible, God's already said, don't cheat on your wife. Okay? So it's not going to come counter to that, but it's going to be your voice speaking to you, guiding you towards things that God has already said in your life. Now, Does it take practice and experience to see if that's God speaking to you and how that works? Yes, it does. It's the same way in any relationship that you might have, okay? Like, it took me a while to figure out when Julie was calling me that it was her voice. Well, that doesn't mean that, like, so I just spend more time. And here's another question. Will you ever get it wrong of what you thought God said to you? Absolutely. Yes, you will. And then you just wake up and continue on in the relationship, right? And walk in grace in that. So, great questions.